0: Thank mm-hmm. you. And welcome to Cracked Spines. I'm Cyrus. I'm Sarah. And it is messed up. Yeah? It's messed up, man. The whole Animorphs series as a concept? I mean, yes, but what's actually messed up, what's the most tragic and absolutely sickening thing, is how long I have had to wait to talk to you about Animorphs because I've been dying, Sarah. I'm reading these books and they're so good. And then I turn to you and I'm like, oh my god, the part where, no, god, I can't talk about it. Yeah, I know. We're bottling up. Guys, we're bottling
1: so many feelings up so that we can open them on the podcast. It's destroying our relationship. We're like two cans of Coke that got dropped. God. And we're about to open and spray. I don't like that.
0: <laughs> Why are we here? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, in this specific moment, we are here to talk about the next five books of the Animorph series. Our previous episode, we covered the First five of the entire series, and now we're doing books six through ten. Yes. Which I guess, is that actually... I think that's, that oh, might be in the Megamorphs. And, the, and Megamorphs. the Megamorphs book.
1: Hey, I can't wait to talk about the Megamorphs book. <laughs> yeah, It doesn't have, my... I feel like, any important plot stuff, but I need to talk about it. <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, originally, we were really thinking that we were going to do broader strokes, like, you know, covering <laughs> wider swaths of, of the uh, book series and just talk about more overall stuff, But holy shit, the next five books just went off. So I am eager to get into it on a more granular level, because in retrospect, our predictions of what was going to happen for the rest of the series are very funny now having read those books.
1: Yeah, we covered a lot of the stuff that happened in the next book. Yeah. Yeah. We were like, I bet one of them's gonna get infected by a yerk. Anyway, time to open book six. Yeah.
0: In which that exact thing happens.
1: So, if you don't know what the Animorphs series is, and you're like, I gotta start with part two. The Animorphs is a group of children, uh, who are so child- They're so child- Sorry, they're like 13. They keep, like, reiterating that Cassie is below five feet tall.
0: Oh God.
1: And I know, like, adults can be below five feet tall, but she's... Young! <laughs> Uh, They are a group of children, uh, like 13, that have been gifted with these power to transform into animals to stop a brain slug invasion of Earth. Uh, And they can't tell anybody anything that's going on because anyone at any time could have a brain slug in them. The brain slugs are called yurks. And, guys, you know, the the yurkiness of it all is, (laughs) is kind of good for me.
0: Yeah. There's
1: voluntary, there's people who are like, I want the yerk in me. And there's people who are like, I do not want the yerk in
0: me. And it doesn't seem great for either, but it is certainly seems to be better on the surface level for people who are voluntary controllers. Yeah.
1: Do you think they get to like quit? I don't imagine they do.
0: No, they super don't. Yeah. Uh, that would be that would be wild. Um. Yeah. I'd, why would
1: you sign up for that? i mean i'm hoping at some point a book gives us a good argument
0: they literally did they they yeah. they have chapman who is a voluntary controller yeah. who signed up to protect his daughter essentially
1: yeah but like they got the entire planet of, like
0: a race of taxons yeah that's true like w- why yeah that's a very good point I'm gonna add just another thing uh, to the list of things that I would like to see throughout the series. Um, would love to get a bit more intel on the taxons. What's their deal? Yeah, what are those little freaks up to? Yeah, what are those weird bug-eyed centipede voluntary controllers? They're just like yeah. they're just like we just love evil. They're the minions. <laughs> yes. Uh, would love to know what's going on with them but for now uh let's talk a bit more about uh being a yerk controller which is exactly what happens in book six that's right we were like man mid-series like book 30 one of the animorphs is definitely gonna get infected with a yerk and nope it happens right off the bat which is kind of wild to me in
1: retrospect, I think it makes a lot of sense. Because it establishes so well the stakes of the Yerks. This In is this true. really visceral way. Yeah. I guess I just didn't think it would happen. So I was kind of like, it's like how in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like, I, I guess, like, in the pilot, someone gets turned into a vampire that's someone that they know. But in general, like, they don't. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Like... It always seems like it takes a while for, like, the consequences of the world building to hit the protagonists
0: of, like, these series. Yeah, absolutely. It's like you start out in the kind of traditional mode by establishing the like norm for Mm -hmm. this world which for buffy is like hunting vampires Mm -hmm. and there being danger but it not being intense danger Mm -hmm. and for animorphs it is being an intense danger every single time oh my god um yeah animorphs starts at the
1: end of buffy season one yeah when buffy's crying that she doesn't want to die that's animorphs book two yeah
0: (laughs) it's book one let's be real uh (laughs) Yeah, and I I think that I also expected that that would be something that there would be a bit more build up to, because Mm -hmm. it is such a, like, it's such a kind of big, exciting payoff of the concept, and it's the kind of thing where I feel like the, the series could have very easily drawn it out more and used it as a, like you know, kind of jumpstart when we're a bit further into the series and maybe things are kind of slowing down a little bit. But honestly, I really like the fact that it happened so soon because, again, it does something really interesting to the pacing where it's like, oh, the stuff that I thought that was going to happen much later Mm -hmm. is happening earlier. What the fuck is going to happen in book, like, 20? I do have a prediction for the middle of the series, and this
1: is just a prediction based off my initial feelings about reading Animorphs. I think there's going to be a real floppy spot in the middle, there's no way it can sustain the yeah. momentum it
0: has. I mean, I I think you're probably right, but we'll find out. We will I guess. find out. I I have not. I know that there are some of the books that were ghost written. Uh, I have not uh, looked up which ones those are because I want to kind of go into everything with an open mind.
1: I've also not looked up, and i I'm thinking that I also won't. Yeah, but I, I might. I think that's a good call. Yeah, maybe at the end when we break broke each episode that we're doing for the podcast into like book chunks. When we're done reading those chunks of books, I might go back to look to see if they were ghost written.
0: Yeah, I think I would like to talk about in retrospect the very least the ghost written ones. But I am curious what the quality is going to be and whether there is going to be a kind of downtick, mm-hmm. as I think people have said there is. Um, so yeah, that'll be interesting. But, anyways, uh, book six of Animorphs. Um, they have kind of a cool setup for the plot where uh, the Animorphs find out that uh, the Yerks are trying to uh, essentially start start or take over a hospital. Uh, I can't remember. I think they might be taking over a hospital. Yeah. Uh, and in order to specifically convert as many people to involuntary controllers as possible, which is fucked up. Um, yeah. Would be super easy to do. Yeah. Hey. They're, they're really vulny in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> That's my nurse insight. <laughs> uh, and specifically, the Animorphs find out that uh, the governor of their state, who is also going to be running for president in like the next election, yeah. uh, is going in for a surgical procedure, mm-hmm. and they are absolutely going to try to turn him into a yerk. So the, the mm-hmm. setup of the book is them deciding to try to stop this from happening.
1: And I think this is important. I believe George W. Bush was the governor of Texas. Oh,
0: my God. Oh, boy. A.K.A. <laughs> hey, Applegate, bad news. He didn't have to be a yerk to really fuck up a lot of stuff. <laughs> maybe he was yerked. Yeah, you know what? I mean, mean, this can't, well... They're really playing the long game in that They're playing the long... Well, I mean, they did it. That, that seems like that is going to be the premise of the entire book. Except that in the first quarter, maybe, uh... Jake ends up getting knocked out while in a hot tub full of yerks, which, hey, really quickly, Sarah, do they have hot tubs in the hospital, as this book would suggest? We
1: do actually have areas where there are hot tub-like things, or tubs. That is fascinating, okay. Um, I will say on every floor that I've been on that has those... We store equipment in them. Yeah. Uh, But I think we should frankly make more use of them. Who wouldn't want a nice bath in the hospital? Yeah, for
0: real. Uh, Anyways, okay, good to know. Uh, So Jake ends up going bobbing for yerks in the hospital hot tub. Uh, (laughs) And uh, when he wakes up, he immediately can tell that there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. And from there, a truly horrific sequence begins in which Jake realizes that a yerk is inside of his head, and is slowly taking control of him, uh, and trying to trick his friends into believing that he's just fine. Mm -hmm. Um, So Sarah, was that, uh, in the traditional sense, good for you?
1: (laughs) I, okay. I think last episode we were talking about what is the thing that I find most frightening. And I was like, oh, losing control of your body and being a passenger and watching, like, you yourself interact with people but not actually doing it yourself being like a puppet and then like being unable to control anything yeah dude
0: yeah we got you
1: you know how some things are like horrifying but in like that way where you're like i got to learn more yeah yeah i i really find the trope of like being trapped in your own head and nobody knowing it to be so horrifying mm. And I gotta know more. I gotta read more of it. Yeah. And I thought, like, yeah, they nailed basically every single part of what I would like in the exploration of this trope. Like, the loss of control of your body. The, like, feeling like, oh my god, my friends will never know that Mm it's me. Uh... The yerk digging through your brain to find embarrassing things to show
0: you? Yeah, oh my god. When that happened, because I was reading the book before you, and I was like, Sarah's gonna lose her fucking mind. There's a scene where, um, I think initially, because there is a bit of transference between both consciousnesses, and so Jake is kind of aware of the yerk in his head, like, just really gloating over, um how he's going to get promoted so much because he's going to, you know, reveal that the quote-unquote Andalite bandits that uh, Visser Three thinks is, you know, fucking up his whole deal, uh, he's going to reveal that they are actually humans and then wipe them out. And Jake is like, wow, embarrassing little fantasy you got there. And the York's like, oh, you want to go? You want to go? Okay, let's just flip through all these. Oh, hey, here's one where uh, you thought about how cool it would be if you were super good at basketball, you fucking nerd. Your brother
1: gives you, like, a solemn nod and says, you're the basketball player now. <laughs> oh, it was so good, though. Yeah, because part of the thing that I think is so good about brain slugs, so good about, like, that symbiosis, so good about, like, uh something controlling you is not just it can't just be a physical control of your body oh yeah it's the idea that you have nowhere to hide
0: yeah that
1: e- your every thought is known to this entity that hates you yeah it's very fucking i have no mouth and i must scream in a lot of ways like he doesn't like like what is that h-i-m h-i-m The what's the monster and what's the robot no oh, the... fuck
0: what's his name it's not him. It's not him. What about her, huh? <laughs> what about her, Harlan Ellison? And it's, like, not like that the
1: robot, the evil robot overlord and I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream, like, can necessarily read minds, but is such a smart supercomputer yeah. and has granted no privacy that functionally, yeah. you know? But, like, the Yerk takes it, like, a step further in this way of, like, not only... Does it know everything in your mind? It can show you things from the other minds it's been in. Yeah. So, hey, here's how your brother feels. He's begging for
0: death. Yeah, because this was the exact same Yerk who was previously in Jake's brother Tom's head. Yeah. And it, oh, it's so fucked up.
1: Um, There's a line at some point, maybe not in this book, but it's like Tom curled up in the corner of his own mind. Yeah. It's
0: so brutal. Speaking of lines, I would love to share my favorite one from the series thus far. Uh,
1: oh, yeah, the one you texted to the group and said, Sarah, don't look.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this is happening, uh, I think, right after the year humiliates Jake with his own fantasy of being, like, loved and appreciated by his brother. Um. So let me do a little dramatic reading, if you will. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes, the Yurk said and laughed. It shocks you that I can play your thoughts back for you. Your brain is no different to me than one of your primitive human computers. I open any file I like. I play any software. I use you. I own you. I dominate you. You are nothing anymore. Just an echo. Just a ghost haunting the machine of your own brain. It's good. It's so good. It doesn't have any right to be this good. It's like, literally... Hey, do you remember the autopsy? Oh, yeah, I remember the fucking autopsy, man.
1: <laughs> the autopsy, despite its naming convention, is not, as far as I know, the title of an Animorphs book.
0: <laughs> that's actually very funny. <laughs> they are for children, so I would be very surprised. <laughs> um, But, ooh, an autopsy... Uh, Michael Shea's uh, The Autopsy and Animorphs crossover. Yeah, it's, like, not even a crossover. It is, you're right, it's just it. It's just
1: it, yeah. Uh, That's one which is... Uh, it is part of Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, Mm -hmm. a series of films made by directors, uh, different horror films of extremely variable quantity. (laughs) And we lost our minds over the autopsy. Yes. I don't know, you lost your mind over the autopsy more than I did. I mean, yeah. Because I think it went way more into the body horror parts of it.
0: Yeah. And the, like, I don't know, I don't know. It wasn't, we both really enjoy the idea of, like, body-controlling parasites in, I think, yeah. extremely different ways. I because think so. for me, it's really interesting hearing you talk about what you find to be the greatest horror of it. Mm-hmm. Because, to me, it's like, there's almost a sense of awful peace in the idea of truly having zero control whatsoever, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. for me... Um, I have no mouth and I must scream mm-hmm. is horrifying because the characters still have agency. They still have control. They still have almost the requirement of fighting against this all powerful computer god. That to me is almost like the ultimate horror is like the idea of there being no rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the idea, it's like there's this weird thing of like the idea of being like trapped within your own mind is horrifying, can't stress Mm -hmm. that enough, but there is almost this weird sense of like, well, what can you do, you know? I don't know. I just keep thinking about like, to me, it would be horrifying. Like if I got
1: yurked Mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, like my best friend's exorcism Mm -hmm. features a character who's possessed by the devil, a really similar trope. And she starts doing horrible things to her friends Mm -hmm. and it destroys relationships. I keep thinking like, if I had a brain slug in me that was evil and like, said to you like the worst thoughts I've ever had or like used like my relationship with my mother to hurt my mother Mm -hmm. in like the worst way that they could like and I would never be able to say that wasn't me I didn't do that yeah I feel like you're robbed of even the the dignity of your own reputation
0: yeah I think you care about reputation a lot more than I do (laughs) you want you just want that tentacle
1: (laughs) I would like people to not think I'm an evil sadistic monster Okay, I can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> but the autopsy, the point I wanted to make was, that's a really horny yes. movie. Yes. It's like explicitly, like, what was that quote from the director? It's all dicks and pussy <laughs> yes, babies Exactly, yeah. <laughs> when it came to the design of the alien. It's so interesting that the autopsy is so explicitly horny. And this is a book for children. Yeah. The exact same tone. I know. The only thing different is that Animorphs doesn't use the word
0: orgasm. I know. You can draw a straight line from me reading this book when I was like fucking ten to me last year experiencing the autopsy. <laughs> it's it's honestly so funny and so good yeah <laughs> don't forget about your little pit stop at venom oh of course <laughs> I, I would never forget
1: um i mean we should probably talk about other books besides this one uh, but this yeah. was i have to say the best of all of them i love this one yeah i, I mean, thought this was a fantastic book and i would really say if you're gonna
0: read the animorphs you can read if you read the first six you'll have gotten a really cool narrative yes i agree um god it's like i do just want to kind of keep talking wait i sorry there's like i have a couple, couple few more things, things yeah <laughs> um I think another element that was very fun for me was the fact that, uh, so the Yerks have to exit their uh, host body's head every three days in order to rejoin the pool. That's what I wanted to talk about. And soak up the uh, Kendrona rays. Is it Kendrona or Kadrona? Kandrona rays. Kandrona rays.
1: I wouldn't know. I listened to it at two times speed.
0: (laughs) No. And so. When Jake's friends realize that he's been yerked, which it would have been interesting if it took them longer, but also I feel like that is something that will maybe happen later in the series. I'm gonna make,
1: I don't know, I'm wondering how much plots will carry over from book to book, because I thought if this was a... If the series was different, then I think Jake could have been yurked for multiple books. Yeah. But Animorphs seems so self-contained to each book. Yeah. Well, I I just thought more like
0: in a single book, they wouldn't realize until like a lot later or something. Yeah. Um, But yeah, anyways, I think- He was was face down in a yurk pool. Yeah, it was pretty clear what it- He was face down in a yurk pool. He became completely unresponsive for a while after that, and then he was like- Hey guys, I'm completely fine. Why are all of you looking at me like that? <laughs> and a light scum? What? Who said that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was such a good moment though. Like, the the see. So the kind of moment where they confirm that Jake is a controller is when he sees Axe for the first time, and there's like this like utter look of contempt and disgust in his face at seeing that the yerk seeing his like ancient enemy and i was just like oh i love the fucking like world building of that but anyways so when they find out that jake is a controller their course of action is that they're like well we just got to starve the yerk out we got to keep jake you know imprisoned for three days until the yerk uh, dies, and so Jake spends those three days being, you know, psychologically tortured and whatnot, uh, trying to escape using his morphing powers and being foiled by the animorphs at every turn. Until finally, there's this really grueling section where Jake is just aware of the Yerk dying in agony inside of his own head. It's so good. <laughs> it's there
1: is an, also a strange intimate tenderness. Yes, towards the end of like this I don't know like I guess you can't not experience the death of another living creature as like intimately as if it was yourself without there being some intimacy yeah Um. but I thought it kind of hit like a little bit on the end towards that like thing that I like about it as well which is like the trope as well which is how much is the brain worm the brain slug the possessing f- factor, how much is it purely parasite? Yeah. And to what degree does it get affected by the host? Yes. And to what degree is it shaped by the host? Exactly. And, and, uh, isn't Jake's like, also Jake got, has all his memories of his brother's suffering now. Yeah. And all the memories of his, pr- of the previous controllers. Yeah. And they live God. inside him and he knows how m- unhappy, miserable, scared, and like suicidal his
0: brother is. Yeah. Oh, God, that book was so fucking good. Yeah. And
1: how would you even comfort
0: your brother? Yeah. You can't say anything. Yeah. No, oh, he they did, do. though. Oh, they that do. was such a good <laughs> ending. Oh, my God. So at the end of the book, Jake calls his own home and, mm-hmm. like, partially transforms his vocal cords so that his voice is not recon- recognizable mm-hmm. and basically tells his brother, like, not to give up hope. It's not to just keep shouting, it's so good. But this was a true masterpiece of the Animorphs series. <laughs> it was, I have to say, like,
1: I, I think I sounded in last episode like I was enjoying it, and I was enjoying it. It really hit its stride. Their
0: book six felt really special. Yeah, it. I think, honestly, the first five books were fun and good. The next five books after that felt like they really kicked it up to the next notch, yeah. including the ones after six, uh, yeah. which is, I guess, a good transition to talking about the next one, which... Sorry, Rachel. We're probably not gonna get as deep into it. Um, Sorry, one more thing about the, the last <laughs> one. I think it really benefited from ha-
1: being from Jake's point of view for multiple reasons. Not just because, like, that's obviously the most interesting one for like the Yurk POV, yeah. but also it allows you to be surprised by how smart the other animorphs are yes. and how good they are at managing the situation without their like leader Jake. Yes, absolutely. They fucking run this yerk to ground. Yeah. He's done. He's
0: fucked. He's got no chance. Yeah, absolutely. That was definitely satisfying. Yeah. Book uh, seven. Book seven. So, just to circle back one more time to the predictions that we made at the end of our last Animorphs episode, it is so funny to look back on them because not only did a couple of them come true within the next five books but also in book seven they introduce the idea of a time-traveling god who is interfering with human stuff absolutely wild i don't think we predicted that we certainly didn't i did not remember that even a little bit i didn't think q was in this yes uh god that was wild so book seven um starts out with rachel's divorced father being like hey i'm moving and you have a choice to come with me or not Mm -hmm. and rachel is dealing with a lot of like just choice paralysis and just feeling exhausted and so tired of fighting and just wanting to like Mm -hmm. just kind of give up the fight and go live with her dad
1: and also tired of being the person who is brave yes the person who is like known to be the fighter it's like seven books in she's already struggling under the role that she's been assigned in this like there's a really reductive way of describing all the animorphs it's like rachel's the fighter the leader the guy who is a hawk yeah uh marco who sucks marco doesn't suck i like marco but we'll talk about him
0: yeah uh and yeah so you have this this cool kind of setup uh and then the like the theme continues on where this fucking q entity shows up um Prevents them all from being eaten alive by a taxon while in morph form, which is pretty fucked up. Yeah. Um, and they explode out of his throat? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's not even the only time that that happens in the next five books. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> it kind of makes I might sense. be mixing up the throat No, 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 exploding. Those. I think that okay. also happens. Um Yeah, it turns out when you can morph into something that is very small, there will be times when you are eaten and times when you have to explode out of the thing that eats you. Um, But yeah, and then the Q entity shows up and is like, I'm going to give you the choice to stop fighting and we're going to take you to essentially like an alien zoo with you and all of your friends and family and, you know, you won't have to fight the Yerks anymore and you'll be, you know, the specimens of humanity that are preserved forever um, in what was like a really great... Parallel, I think, to the internal struggle that Rachel was going Mm -hmm. through. And the whole book focuses on her going back and forth of like, do I really want to fight this battle that I've been told by a seemingly all knowing entity that is completely futile? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. or do I want to like give up and stop fighting and be happy? You know, and I thought like that was a very poignant thing for a character that, again, hasn't felt flat mm-hmm. so far but has very much been in that role that is very easy to flatten. Yeah. I uh
1: Rachel fully se- stepped up for me as a character in these this like these last six books. Yeah. I'm going to include Megamorphs in yes. it as well cuz she's doing stuff in Megamorphs that's fucking insane. Yeah. Girl, what the hell? <laughs> um I really like Rachel. Yeah. She's this character where I think I think if you wanted to be very cynical looking at the Animorphs or if you wanted to do sort of like a very surface reading, like, oh, of course, like the, like, oh, there's a girl character who like, likes shopping and is blonde. And it's like, yeah, there are women, there are girls who are blonde and enjoy shopping. Mm -hmm. Also, I love her describing how I think Jake saved money by going and getting a blouse on sale that was more expensive than the one he was intending to get.
0: Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Uh,
1: Deeply relatable. Mm -hmm. But she's so mad about everything she's like she's angry and she's violent yeah. and she's a little crazy yeah she's like intense um there is just a bloodlust in her yeah that is such an interesting undertone
0: teenage girls just be like <laughs> teenage girls
1: teenage girl jocks yeah oh my god yeah <laughs> Uh, and I really, over these books, I was like, i I think I feel like Rachel stepped into like being my favorite character uh-huh. uh, because I really liked, in particularly in this book and in other books, the ways that she handles the mantle of her own role, yeah, um, and the way that she struggles underneath it. yes, but also like,
0: that's such a good way to describe all of the animals. Yeah. Honestly, like yeah. they are all so like archetypal in some ways, but mm. what happens within that archetype is so fascinating and so deep on a character level. Yeah, it really is. Don't sound so surprised. I told you these books were good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I think they. I think this book does one of the best ones of the books we've seen so far of exploring the the absolute screaming frustration of like. I still have to deal with things that aren't the Yurks. Yeah. I'm still a teen girl. My yeah. parents are still separated, yeah. you know. I'm still like given these chances to do different things and like the choice that she's presented with would suck, yeah. even if she wasn't an animorph. Yeah,
0: and I think it's really interesting because it's like what that book kind of boils down to is the idea of like she's given all these choices, but she doesn't really have a choice. Like she knows what she has to do. Yeah, and that's Up like
1: to and including time travel. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um. Again, I'm just absolutely blown away by the fact that in book seven they're like, "Yep, we're doing time travel." We, it, You know how hard that makes everything in a series when you introduce the idea of time travel, but I, fuck it, we're doing it. I know. Marvel waited for, like, 20 films in to yeah. do that shit. Yeah. And again, I kind of admire that, because it's, yeah. that's not something they're like, oh, fuck, book 25, we're really losing steam, mm-hmm. I guess let's introduce the Elemist. Uh, yeah. Nope, they're, like, right off the bat. Well, I feel like it pairs really well with the previous book, book six, which is, like, here's the
1: intimate, personal implications of the yurks yes. for the body and then book seven is like we're gonna take you to the future where they won yes here's the implications for the earth yeah uh i don't know it's just really good uh, like setting the stakes yeah in this explicit way where rachel gets to see herself older yurked yeah when they describe, okay, so they travel to the future, and they meet up with Rachel's future self, who's like, I remember this, mm-hmm. because I did this time travel, also I'm yurked, what up, girl? Um, And, like, she and Visser 3, like, describe what they did to the Animorphs. <gasps> I forgot about that!
0: I literally wrote a note in my fucking uh, app to be like, this is so fucked
1: up. Yeah. Where they all get, they all get yurked, except for Tobias, who gets
0: cooked and eaten by them. Yeah. In and barbecue they... sauce. Yeah. God. I'm just, <sighs> sorry, I'm just thinking about- uh, Also,
1: Tobias is in his human body for this episode, for this one.
0: Yeah. Like, it, wouldn't that be nice,
1: Tobias, to, like, be a boy again instead yeah. of a hawk?
0: Yeah. The Elemist is very cruel, Uh, which was- Fun. But cre-
1: again, cruel in that way where it's like it. He does feel like an extremely untrustworthy ally. Yes, because exactly. he clearly wants the humans to keep fighting. That is like the conclusion that they yeah. all reach.
0: It's really kind of if Q was a bit less of a scamp personality-wise, but still kind of did the same things. <laughs> um, Q from Star Trek. Yes, in case that wasn't clear. Um, but yeah, God, that. That is just so fucked up. Like, there is something in terms of, like, being trapped inside of your own head, Mm -hmm. uh, and literally forced to eat your own friend. Yeah. With fucking barbecue sauce.
1: And apparently he didn't even have a good texture. Yeah. God. Fucked up.
0: Fucked up. I don't think they cooked him right. Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) God, yeah, that was, that was very good. Um... Yeah, I, I I liked that book a lot. It didn't quite, like, make me as insane as book six, but I thought it was, like, a very satisfying installment.
1: Yeah, I think book six made me insane about the concept, but I'm not necessarily insane about the character of Jake. I yeah. like Jake, but he didn't make me go feral. The What was happening to him made me go feral. Yeah. I really loved rachel i think you're gonna
0: because i'm a bit farther ahead in the series than you are i think i think you're gonna like one of the upcoming rachel books (laughs) i'm so excited she's my girl i'm team rachel dude yeah um yeah and the book that comes after that uh is actually the first novel length Uh, book in the series, the Megamorphs book, which I don't have that much to say about it, except that it is fucking insane. It's like set piece after set piece.
1: It is. I saw someone describe it as if they were going to make a blockbuster movie of Animorphs, this would be it. Yes. The Animorphs are chased by a sentient dust cloud made of knives that tracks them down whenever they morph and it like devours everything in its path and or kidnaps them to take him to the viscer. And they have to do a series of, like, convoluted bullshit to kill it. And there's, like, not plot advancement here. Basically, the thing is, there's there's an enormous new threat. And they have to take down that enormous threat so that they can do anything. Um, And it's... There's a set piece in this one where, at some point, uh, Rachel's an elephant right? And she's, like, running, and Marco's a gorilla driving a car. Yeah. (laughs) Not doing any, also, also, yes, it was very funny when he's driving, when Marco is like, yeah, I can drive a car. He can't. Yeah. (laughs) Poor Cassie's dad. Uh, But, like, yeah, there's a gorilla driving a car who hits an elephant who has, like, half a squirrel on her back that is Cassie dealing with senses of her own cowardice. And I think Jake's Jake is, a tiger. Yeah, turning
0: into a tiger in the back of a pickup truck. It's just absolutely buck wild. Yeah. It, it was just a very fun
1: book. At one point, uh, Rachel, as an amnesiac, another, like, just wild choice yeah. to have in here, yeah. um, reduced really to her core self, is like, I know how to deal with these cops that are trying to get me out of this abandoned house for sale. And she turns into a fucking elephant. <laughs> she bursts out. What if those weren't your cops? What if those are just guys? Yeah. And they're like, oh, somebody, like a teen's breaking enter- into a, like a house that's for sale. We gotta get them out of there. Um, and then an elephant bursts through the front door, and then a dust cloud of hatred eats the house.
0: Yeah, well, that would serve them right for fucking defending the property rights of uh, shitty landlords.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to do cab, but I can't think of a B word that's appropriate here. All cops are baffled.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Got there eventually.
1: Really took a long walk. Yeah, again, I just would love, I would love, I pitched this to Cyrus as an insane thing that we could do. I would love to do, to fucking, like, uh, do a fanfic that is essentially an audio podcast of two true crime people in the Animorphs world theorizing on anything. I
0: would also love to do that. Uh, Yeah, God, that, that sounds great. Um Although, I have to talk about the next book. book oh, yeah, yeah. Eight, Which is the first book from uh, Axe Millie's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, this book made me fucking cry with laughter. Um, there is a scene, because Axe as an... Um, not an android, Jesus Christ. Wow, instantly left my head. Andalite? Andalite, thank you. Axe as an andalite does not have a mouth and no sense of taste. And, and so, he must scream. Yeah. <laughs> and so every time that he uh, morphs into his human form, he is like absolutely feral for food um and so at the beginning of the book uh jake and marco take axe to a movie in the hopes of uh essentially like socializing him to human culture a bit more so he can be a bit more fucking normal and right off the bat in the movie axe is like "Hmm, i don't really understand what's happening uh But, ooh, there's popcorn. Mmm, this is really good. Oh, my God, this is really good. Oh, my God, I'm eating this entire box. Oh, man, there's no more popcorn. Except, wait, there is more popcorn all over the floor of the movie theater. And then he spends the rest of the time just crawling around eating popcorn and candy off the floor of the theater. (laughs) And there's this scene where, uh, at the very end, he, like sees a kid eating candy in the theater and, like, crawls up to the kid and is like, human, may I have your brown globules? <laughs> and it's like, it was the stupidest fucking thing, but it made me laugh so hard. <laughs> I spent that whole thing being like, ax,
1: get it together, man! Get it together,
0: man! I feel like, for me, I found that so funny because I was like, I can imagine reading this as a kid and finding it really, really, really funny because of how, like, absurd the mental images but as an adult it's almost funnier because of the additional layer of like greater awareness of social norms (laughs) and like as an adult I'm imagining myself as a person in the movie theater watching this happen (laughs) and just being like what the fuck is going on with that guy (laughs) can I also
1: say if you have a two-hour time limit on morphing I think a movie in a theater is the dumbest thing you could do oh
0: absolutely yeah that's
1: so stupid yeah yeah, I wasn't smart. <laughs> <laughs> also, I have to say it. Hey, Animorphs, I think Axe's perpetual state of the munchies is a known quantity by now.
0: Also, But Sarah, I have to say, if you were a fucking 13-year-old and you had an alien friend, That's would you true. not try to take him to a movie theater? Oh, I
1: don't want to put him on a roller coaster and then be disappointed when he's like, yeah, yeah this, is, this is nothing to me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: We have rides that would absolutely blow your fucking human brain. We have a thing. ride that
1: flips you inside out and then right side out again. <laughs> um, the the plot of this uh, isn't important. Axe is scrambling yeah. on the floor eating trash. <laughs> exactly,
0: he's eating trash, eating literal garbage. He's eating <laughs> cigarette butts. I love him so much. <laughs> He makes me
1: so stressed out. I feel like I can't enjoy him as much as you do, because I'm like, Axe, the stakes are so high. Don't you fucking ruin this for them. (laughs) They can't-
0: you're so weird. Everyone's gonna think you're weird. The fact that Axe also loves Cinnabon so much. He's just like me for real. (laughs) He's just like you for real. Also down to the trash eating. (laughs) Oh, man. I did- I really liked- um, the elements in this book where axe really feels like he's getting close to tobias Mm -hmm. and like because they both are like these people who are complete outsiders now because tobias is trapped in Morph, um and axe is the only andalite on all of earth except for viscer three and Mm -hmm. well
1: we're gonna talk about yeah yeah is that in
0: this book or the next one that's in this one i think um And uh, so there's, like, this great thing where Axe, like, really, there's, like, I can't remember the exact term, but there's a term for, like, you know, like, a very close relationship that Andalites have, kind of like a brothers in arms kind of thing yeah um, that Axe wants to have with Tobias. But because Tobias is not an Andalite, he is required by Andalite law to, like, put up all of these barriers and to, like, try to withhold a lot of the truth from his friends. um, And so feels even more isolated from that as a result. And his friends are mad at him. Yeah, justifiably so. Yeah. Um, And there's like a great scene where Axe manages to essentially phone home uh, by Mm -hmm. taking over an Earth satellite and contacting the Andalite homeworld, where he is like talking to essentially like the Andalite general about Mm -hmm. what has happened and telling them that his brother, Prince Elfengor, can't get over that name, it's so so fucking silly, but I love it, Um, that his brother gave humans the power to morph, and the general is like, well, that would be a huge breach of Andalite law, and it could, like, permanently besmirch your brother's memory. Do you think maybe you might have made a mistake, and you were the one who gave uh, the humans the power to morph? Because as, like, a younger, inexperienced Mm -hmm. person, like, You know, there will be consequences, but you could be forgiven when your Mm -hmm. brother could not. And Axe basically takes the fall for his (laughs) brother in this, like, it's so frustrating and tragic because it's like he's talking to his own people for the first time since his entire spaceship and brother got killed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he's essentially being forced to make this extremely grown up decision Mm -hmm. that involves, like, taking on the burden of breaking one of his people's most sacred laws. Yeah. And then he has to tell his father that his brother died. <laughs> in one phone call. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was thinking about it
1: and you're going to make fun of me for what I'm about to say. But in the play The Crucible, um <laughs> there's a scene at the end where the character is like basically like they're like it's it's play about the Salem witch trials and people who get accused and why people like would accuse other people of witchcraft and why people would confess to it when they weren't guilty. Yeah. Uh. And there's this part at the end that's always stuck with me. Not that I remember the name of any of the characters involved. I would love to read The Crucible. That shook me. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd love when to I read see it too. Um, but he just goes like. They're like, why won't you just sign this thing that says you did it? And he's like, because it is my name. Because uh-huh. it's the only name I will ever have. Yeah. And this is the, like, the only, the only thing that I will carry with me is, like, what I said I did and what I did. And, yeah. like, I, t- and there's such a tragic nobility to basically taking the blame and being the fall guy. Yeah. But also, like, this, tr- like, sad sackness. Yeah. And also this, like... Axe is so already burdened, like, one of the things that burdens him is, like, for the rest of his life, he's like, Any, even if I stop the invasion, I'm just gonna be the guy who was cleaning up his own
0: mistake. Yeah, God. I love Axe so much. (laughs) I need him to stop eating trash. He simply won't. (laughs) I need him to do it in a controlled environment. (laughs) No, it's not not as much fun. They take him to an all-you-can-eat buffet. Holy fuck. Oh, I really hope that happens at some point. I just want, not even because I think it would be, like, funny or interesting, I just want Axe to get to experience that. I'm worried he's gonna make his stomach explode. (laughs) He can morph out. (laughs) It'll be fine. (laughs) Okay, but there's another very juicy thing that happens in Axe's book where we learn that by Andalite law, Axe is essentially burdened with the absolute need to kill his brother's murderer, who is the supreme arch-villain thus far of the series, Visser Three. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to cause some difficulties. And while he is trying to make this call home, a uh, Yurk controller catches him, but we find out that the Yurk controller hates Visor Three because that essentially killed the only other Yurk that uh, the person who the Yurk that's talking to Ax ever cared about. Which again, we talked about the idea of like a that that later in the series there'd be like a good Yurk, quote unquote. This was not a good Yurk, but this is establishing the idea that Yurks have bonds and feelings, and yeah. that there is not they are not a homogenous thing yeah uh, which i thought was very interesting and that
1: the deaths happened as a direct result of the actions in i believe book seven where they decide to keep fighting they destroy the condrona on earth the source of these rays uh and they're like we don't even know if it did anything yeah and it's like
0: don't worry guys it did stuff yep it did stuff and people suffered so yeah we find out that you know that, that's a very good point about the consequences of the actions. Like it was just, it was very good. And then this Yerk tells Axe that this three is going to be in this one location at this one time when Axe could essentially try to kill him. Mm-hmm. And Axe is like, well, it is my duty. And uh, he's not allowed to tell the Animorphs about it either. And so he decides that he's going to go try to take this on by himself. Mm-hmm. And essentially you know, he doesn't kill Viscer 3 because that would be wild. Uh, he also doesn't die because that would also be wild in Book 8. Yeah. But there is a moment where uh, the Yurk that is controlling Viscer 3 exits the Andalite body, and Axe gets to talk to the only Andalite controller in existence, who then begs
1: him for death. And Axe is like, nah. Yeah. I understand. Why they didn't kill him. Mm-hmm. I think they should have killed him. I think it would have been a mercy oh, and tactically yeah. smart.
0: Yeah, I mean, narratively, I'm like, yeah, you can't fucking kill him. There's so much more there to dig into. but on like a like, you know, logistical level of mm-hmm. in terms of what the character should have done, just on, like, like you said, like, a tactical and mercy level. Like, yeah, Axe, you probably should have killed him. His life is a living hell. I know. Well,
1: there is also the way that the Andalite himself, whose name I can't remember, probably something like <laughs> um is kind of... Does back down quickly from his own demands to be killed uh-huh. and kind of lets Axe off the hook, yeah. which I thought was like very generous of him.
0: I mean, if you uh were a Yerk controller and a, you know, fucking 10-year-old toddled up to you and you were like, Please, child, fucking kill me with your bare hands, and the kid was like, I don't know if I can. Do you think you'd be like, No, do it, give me your tiny little hands? <laughs> <laughs> or you think you'd be like, okay, maybe this ain't gonna be it. <laughs> I
1: listen, yes. Although it does remind me, um uh you remember The Walking Dead, the Telltale game? Yes. And there's a part at the end where basically are you gonna make this child kill someone or not? Yeah. And at the end I was like, I think I'm gonna choose to make this child kill someone. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most merciful thing here, as much of it as it sucks. Yeah. It kinda reminded me of that. Yeah. Just someone doing the opposite. Yeah. Absolutely. This is a lot like every other piece of media I've ever encountered. I will connect it to every other piece of media. You know, in a way, Axe is kind of the Hamlet of Animorphs. <laughs> <laughs> in a way, Wei Xian is brain-slugged into his new body.
0: God, this is... We can't. We can't do this. Um, because we are now almost 50 minutes in, and we <laughs> haven't even talked about the last two books. Um
1: They're not going to be this long, all of them, probably.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Okay, book nine. From Cassie's perspective, uh, we find out that the Yerks have uh, taken over a logging company and are trying to destroy the forest because they are assuming that that is where the Andalite bandits that they think the Animorphs are, are operating out of. It is, in fact, where Axe is living, and so they need to essentially stop this from happening um, so that Axe is not discovered. But because the book is from Cassie's perspective, she's like, okay, but it's not just about Axe, they are... Destroying this natural territory Mm -hmm. and it's having like a huge impact on all of the animals that live there. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like Cassie, but I feel like it's tough to be the person who's like, But what about the animals Mm -hmm. in a series that has such like intense human and character repercussions? Weirdly,
1: I was gonna say. I think Cassie does a really good job of being the voice of that perspective. I think she does too. And yeah. I, I think I think it's not a fun role. Yeah. And I don't think, it, it doesn't allow her to do as many interesting things. And it does kind of saddle her with, like, a lot of philosophical questions. Yes. That I find interesting, and I find uh-huh. interesting that she raises them, Yes, you know? And I think, like, God, like, I think she's the most mature of all the kids oh, yeah, by so
0: far. Which is also kind of a tough role to be in, because yeah. being the most mature character is rarely, like, the most fun, you know? Yeah, exactly. Although, uh, maybe Jake, I mean, I mean, she and Jake are pretty she, good for each she other, She and Jake honestly. are, like,
1: <laughs> again, such powerful, en- like, energy of, like, the two kids in a friend group who are the first to maybe start dating, kind of. Yeah. Um, they're cute. I like them. I do like them. I do, I like do them. too, honestly. Uh, um, and I like how much everyone else is like, we know. Yeah. Yeah, we know, guys. Yeah. You're, like, secretly holding hands and then stop. We know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I think there's a part where Axe is like, we're supposed to pretend we don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but there is this great scene where uh, Cassie, like, a... A skunk is hit by a Dracon beam as a result of the Animorphs trying to, like, do espionage on this logging company. And uh, Cassie and her dad find it later and take it back to the, the animal rehab clinic. And Cassie kind of realizes, like, oh, this skunk, like, has kittens and they are, like, dying because of my actions. And it was, like, a really great, like, microcosm of... All of the implications of what is happening as a result of, like, the battle between the Animorphs and the Yerks on a grander scale. And there was, like, this really poignant scene where Cassie finds the skunk kits and she finds them because Tobias is like, yeah, I know where those abandoned skunk kits are. And Cassie's like, how do you know, Tobias? Hey, how do you know Tobias? Hey, Hawk boy. How do you know Tobias? Yeah, which I thought I really liked that. I, I really mean, he, like that. He ate one of them. Yeah, like, the ongoing
1: discussion of like Tobias's predatory nature. Yeah. is I think fascinating, and the way that the animal, like you know, in his book, they're talking about like you know, well, you you eat you kill to eat. Yeah. Not out of cruelty and not out of power and malice. Yeah. But it is constantly, like, negotiating, like, what does it mean to be predator and prey? And is one of them a moral position?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and so there's, like, this really, like, poignant scene where Cassie morphs into the mother skunk and crawls in to the den with the Mm -hmm. kittens. And she, like, falls asleep there because she's, like, so tired and, like, Mm -hmm just kind of overwhelmed and she almost gets trapped in morph as a result of that. Um, and her friends are understandably very angry with her for doing that. Um, but I really liked that moment because it did, it felt like such a, like, I just, the, I felt her exhaustion and, like, grief at what was happening and just wanting to, like, essentially go and, like, hide mm-hmm. and help in this small way when there were so few ways to help in a larger way. Yeah. Um, And Cassie grapples with a lot of really interesting questions because, hey, again, not to be like, remember how I said that the ants were really fucked up uh, and I was completely right? Every single, single book is like, I- hey, remember how fucked up the ants were? It's so funny actually yeah the way that they're constantly like never forget the ants (laughs) yeah um but they they have to morph into termites and while in termite morph it's kind of a similar problem Mm -hmm. where their their minds are almost completely overtaken by the hive mind Mm -hmm. and cassie has to kill the termite queen in order to break that control and she is really gutted by that because she's like i wiped out an entire termite colony to save myself but like what makes my life, you know, more mm-hmm. valuable than theirs, and that's like a question that she mm-hmm. grapples with a lot, and it's it's very interesting, and, and I, I really I really do like Cassie a lot. You can it's so easy to see too how like how
1: the other animorphs fighting a war would be like we don't really have time for this. Yes, but also like the very good point that Cassie made, was just, like we have to make time for this. Yeah, we like have to think about the implications of what we are doing. Yeah, um, yeah, I. There's, like, a lot of stuff about
0: how... of the inherent violence of war. Yeah. God, Animorphs is good. Okay, but we gotta talk about the final book, because there's something really juicy in that one that I want to discuss. Okay, what was it? Okay. Oh! Yeah! This book! Again! Okay, so, uh, we're book ten now, right? Yes. The... what is it? The android. T- book ten, the which... android. <laughs> which, hey... If you thought that introducing a time-traveling demigod was a wild choice within the first ten books, we also got androids and dogs that contained the souls of an ancient dead alien race. Mm-hmm. That's how dogs got made. Yep. <laughs> That's how dogs got made in Animorphs. <laughs> also, I'll
1: say, for the first half of this book, they're like, there's a really weird kid who doesn't have a smell. What's up with him? And it's like, well... Flipping back to the cover of the book,
0: <laughs> the title of the book kind of hinders the mystery. It is funny because I, uh, I didn't like. I'm, I was just going through them so fast mm-hmm. that I didn't even register what the title was, and you know I was like reading it in audiobook form, so mm-hmm. I didn't really see it that much. So I was kind of like, yeah, what's the deal? It's such a mystery. um But so this is this book is from Marco's perspective, and I honestly. You gave me brain rot when you pointed out the fact that he has some similarities to Xander Harris, especially with the voice actor, because I was like, no, this is ruining him for me. But he's he's swinging back around, because Mm -hmm. honestly, I do like Marco, um, and I think that, especially in his POV, there's, like, some interesting stuff Mm -hmm. there. Like, he's kind of more interesting when it's from his perspective rather than looking at him from Mm -hmm. the outside. I
1: actually found being in his head... More annoying. Oh, that's interesting. I like him from the outside. I, I don't know. I like watching him manage group dynamics in uh, a way that is surprisingly socially intelligent. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there was like a couple comments or just like, it felt just like I don't know. The word lecherous is too much because mm. it's not quite there. But it's just they felt so Xander Harris. Yeah. They felt so like, like uh, okay,
0: like a little eye rolly. Yeah. He's definitely still kind of on that like. On that fence yeah. for me. It's but... the same
1: way that I like I love my boy Sokka. For, yeah, yeah. From Avatar the Last Airbender. But there's like when he's interacting with Suki in like a bunch of different episodes, I'm like, oh my
0: I really don't like this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um but yeah, the the thing in this book that was one of my favorites was when um Marco is talking to his father about uh his mother who quote unquote died two years ago but in fact uh was viscer one and for an undetermined amount of time before that had been uh yerked and his father is talking about how the happiest years of his marriage were the ones before she disappeared and marco has the horrific realization that those were the years when his mother was infested by a yerk and that is what his father remembers as being like the best parts of their relationship and I was just like that's so sad and so fucked up oh my god yeah oh god like the idea of like
1: romanticizing a memory of like I don't know there's always some, it's something about grief where you're already so tempted to romanticize and soften the edges of the person you loved yeah or to like r- like and then to be, like, you're not even doing it to the person you loved in a way. You're, like, idealizing the most, you know, And I don't, I don't mean this in a mean way. He just, He has no way of knowing she was brainwormed. Yeah. But, like, the most pliant, the most, like, agreeable, the most, like, you know, because that's what it was. Like, the Yurk's like, I don't want to fight with this guy. Okay, cool. We're happy married now. Yeah. You know, I'm not picking any more arguments. Yeah. That sucks. Because I also just think that from uh, Marco's mother's perspective and if he ever told
0: her that, yeah, God. Oh, man. Oh, that's so fucked up. I love it. Um, they probably had warm sex. Yeah. Oh,
1: they, oh, absolutely they definitely had warm were sex. having
0: so much sex. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. God. Again, with Animorphs, there's just so many fucked up implications. The implications of, like, I feel Animorphs
1: are real good at, like, building something with implications. And then occasionally, just, like, not occasionally, every single book looking at an implication.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, Also, with the introduction of characters who are androids, uh, there's this great scene where the Animorphs at the end of the book are being absolutely fucking massacred. Like, actually dying in horrific ways, being Mm -hmm. killed by these Hork-Bajir. And, um the only thing that saves them is that they manage to essentially give the android this thing that allows him to override his programming in order to fight and the android wipes out the entire building of living beings and is emotionally and mentally broken by doing that and the book kind of ends with the android being like yeah, you know, uh, how do you deal with it? And Marco's like, yeah, I just try to forget. And the android's like, well, my memory is computerized and I physically can't forget, so that's not really an option for me and I will carry this burden for the rest of my existence, which, by the way, will be a long fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really good. It, and it...
1: Because a lot of the like this book, like the ethical argument of this book is should you help a race that has never been violent is nonviolent and has like always survived peacefully
0: mm-hmm.
1: become violent. Yeah. You know, should you essentially arm people who aren't armed? Yeah. Um, and fundamentally change their culture and who they are. Yeah. Um, and understandably, like what is, I think Marco, especially is like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. We're like, we need to do something. Yeah. Um, but, as opposed to, like, the ending of Axe's book, where they, like, don't kill the Andalite, and it's like, again, I kind of get it, but if, I, find it fru- I find it a frustrating character choice uh-huh. that feels like, you can find character, mo- like, there's character motivation for it. There's, like, in-text reasons for it. But it felt like the main reason is, we don't want this Andalite yeah. controller to be dead yet. Yeah. We want the Yurk to still be in this Andalite. Um, I thought this one, which is effectively like, well, hey, why can't the androids fight? I thought it was a much more satisfactory answer of yeah. like, here's why the androids can't fight. Yep. They will help you in other ways, but it, the violence will destroy them. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, God. And in a way, won't the violence destroy them all? <laughs> Tune in next time to find out. <laughs> okay. Let's re-rank really quickly. Okay. Favorite Animorphs. Go. Okay. I have to go first? Okay.
1: I'm gonna say well, Rachel number one. Nice. Um... Rachel, the next three are all kind of equal. I guess i toss Axe in there. Okay, so bottom is Marco. <laughs> Mar- and it's, like, not even, like, I don't, I, I often like Marco, but when we're talking about the character I most frequently dislike, uh-huh. it's Marco. He has, like, much, my negative moments with him are so much more negative than any my no- moments with other characters. Yeah. And then, frankly, Axe, because part of it, and this is so shallow, some of the voice acting choices that some of the narrators make for Axe make him unpleasant oh to God. listen to. Okay,
0: Axe's voice actor put so much mustard on the sound effects. He did this one, I don't even remember what it was for, but he just, it was like some kind of sound effect where he literally like rolled the R into a like, Spring! and I like died laughing because it was so much.
1: <laughs> and I think, again, it's like I, I, I find Axe frustrating Mm -hmm. at times like because I'm so concerned god
0: forbid an alien eat trash off the movie theater floor I know I feel like such a
1: joy a (laughs) buzzkill
0: um and
1: then like Cassie Cassie and Jake are like kind of tied for me uh
0: and then I think it's Tobias and Rachel yeah that makes sense I think for me Tobias first always Mm -hmm. uh Axe second um
1: the reason i I actually want to lower tobias in my current ranking and put i think i'm going to put uh jake and cassie as a unit a little Uh higher because Tobias didn't have a lot to do these books
0: yes this is fair so um i really liked the the way that tobias kind of is coming to terms with his existence in this like I, i i found that very satisfying and yeah i don't know it's like i i i'm remembering again how much i fucking loved Tobias and Axe as a kid. Like, I was obsessed with them. Whoa, and so. actually, yeah. Actually, hold on,
1: sorry. Swapping back. Uh, Tobias goes back to second place. Him and Axe are really good. Yeah. And he's, like, not present in Megamorphs, the insane one, for, yeah. like, the most insane set pieces. And just, like, him being like, sorry, what the fuck happened last <laughs> night?
0: Yeah. <laughs> is very funny. Yeah. He's like, I was sleeping in a tree. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Tobias and Axe first. Um, and... Rachel next honestly I do just fucking love Rachel and I think that like Cassie Jake and Marco are gonna constantly kind of cycling thing of like I feel like I'm most invested in whoever's book I'm currently reading yeah you know because it's like you know Marco I'm like oh yeah Marco's kind of annoying ooh but there's like some really interesting Mm -hmm. stuff in here like with his family and with like his own understanding of his role in the group as Mm -hmm. like guy who cracks jokes in order to like keep everybody from falling into existential despair you know um and then jake like i'm like oh he's like the bland leader character whatever oh but there's some really interesting stuff with his brother tom Mm -hmm with the burden of leadership that is on him Mm -hmm. and the fact that he doesn't fucking want this uh and then oh cassie like yeah she's like the tree hugger like of course you have to have that character in a book about turning into animals oh but there's like so many fascinating implications that she brings up about the animals Mm -hmm. that they turn into and like the idea Mm -hmm. of how you exist in this world as like a human being or as an animal Mm -hmm. like they all have some really interesting stuff going i really can't rank them
1: yeah but you said we must
0: no i don't too. but you, i t- you, I, t- I, t- I know i t- <laughs> i think because i was thinking cassie
1: and marco to me have very similar problems uh-huh. we'll say which is like they have character traits that often make them frustrating yeah to read marco's is Again, this is going to sound... I like Marco, but his extreme selfishness. Yeah. He has always been like, I care about my family. I can't die because it will destroy my father. Yeah. Now i invested because my mother's involved. And I'm yeah. not saying any of that is bad. He's like, we the androids should change because we need them. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's a bad point of view. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, But he's like the view... He's like that voice. Yes. Uh, and Cassie is this voice on this exact yeah. opposite side of the spectrum where... She's like full of a capacity for love that is like remarkable for like every living creature you can imagine, or if not l- love, duty and responsibility. Yeah. And that also can make her very frustrating uh, for like the plot of the book. Yes. Because it's like, we need to kind of do this stuff to move forward. Likewise, Marco, we need to kind of do this stuff to move forward. Yeah. They both kind of get put in positions where they're slowing down the plot.
0: Yeah. That's and I very think that's
1: why. They, oft, they feel not as inherently, like, I guess, I don't know, fun? But, like, Marco is fun. Like, there's, like, why there's, like, an asterisk next to them. Why I think I'm grappled with them a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that, honestly. And I'm, I'm excited to keep reading and, and, mm-hmm. and kind of see where things go next. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like uh, if there is one thing that this series has consistently done, it is surprise me. Okay, uh, let's make a prediction. What do you think is going to happen next book? Oh, wait, you're three ahead of me. Fuck. Yeah, um, I'm going to say, like, just revisiting my predictions for what's going to happen later in the series. Okay, completely going back to the drawing board, I think we're going to have a lot more weird, absolutely insane, like, aliens and tropes and mm-hmm. crazy stuff like that that seems like it it will just be, like, you know, empty calories, narratively speaking, and nonetheless will explore some really terrifying existential uh, thematic questions I'm going to predict...
1: This isn't, like, an immediate... Uh, we haven't quite figured it out. We're going to read the books and then decide how we're going to break them up into episodes. They won't all be this detailed, I assume. Unless... We'll see. <laughs> unless, I don't know, unless it is this fast-paced the whole time. Yeah, which
0: would be wild. I, w- I would love it if
1: it was. I would love it. I doubt it. Yeah. I just sort of doubt that it's never going to, like, hit the doldrums. Yes. Um, th- so I guess that's my prediction. At some point, it'll slacken. Yeah. Um... Also, I agree. I think there's going to be an insane... I think there's, like, one more insane sci-fi trope that hasn't been put in there yet that will be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I don't know what it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, is there, like, a, like sentient goo? Uh, some kind of teleportation? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah,
0: I think they're probably, uh, I feel like there's gonna be, like, other aliens that are gonna probably take them off-planet, maybe. Oh! I think they're gonna go into space at some point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they technically already have. (laughs) That's true. Oh my god. Yeah.
1: Um, and I predict, character-wise,
0: they're going to all get sadder. Oh, yeah. I would say that that is inevitable. Um, I also wonder if more of them are gonna get yerked at some point. Mm. Like, you know... Mom said it's my turn on the yerk. <laughs> if Rachel gets yerked, it's they're over. They're fucked. They're so there's fucked. There's nothing oh they God. can do. Yeah, absolutely. If um, Rachel
1: turned on them, dead. Yeah. No question. She's my girly, she's my queen. Yeah.
0: And you're so right to say it. Yeah. Yeah. God, I'm excited to keep reading these books. <laughs> yeah, I am too. Do I have to read Translation State? It's also very good, but God, all I want to do is read Animorphs. You have to literally read translation. It's <sighs> your it was
1: your New Year's goal. I
0: know. <laughs> Fine. Eat your
1: vegetables. Okay. <laughs> so that you can eat your uh
0: Tobias. No!
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's tough. tough. It's okay, we got barbecue
0: sauce. God, terrible. All right, well, thank you so much for listening. And again, a uh, big thanks to our uh, patrons on Patreon for uh, making this happen for us. This was These uh, episodes on Animorphs are a result of us meeting our uh, first goal on Patreon. So we really appreciate you guys giving us the opportunity to read these books. We're having a great time. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of thanking patrons, let's thank a couple specific ones. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just a world of thanks to our patrons' memes... Hawatson, translucent min, Madeline mulgate Lauren, A Hats, Jackie F, O M, Thea Lane, and C W. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for your support. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I recognize a couple of those names too from uh,
1: posting in our book recommendation request once. So glad to have you around. We're gonna read books yeah I'm super excited to. yeah we got hand delivered some good books yeah periodically uh we're gonna try to open up polls uh and like questions to be like hey what do you guys want us to read because um, it's been honestly the animorphs things worked out pretty well so fuck it yeah you guys can get a hand on the wheel more often <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, So yeah, if you want uh, to have any insight into that, uh, you can join our Patreon at any tier level. And if you want to listen to uh, any of our thoughts on non-book media, including the 90s Animorphs TV show, I would love to watch that. Oh god, yeah. Uh, We we have not done that
0: yet. We have not done it yet. uh, we almost certainly
1: will. So that podcast, uh, all the bonus podcasts, all this stuff uh, are at patreon.com slash cracked spines podcast you can also email us at cracked spines podcast at gmail.com
0: and, I don't know, I guess we keep plugging the Instagram. Yeah, by God, we keep plugging the Instagram. We're on Instagram at Crackspines Podcast. Maybe we'll post. <laughs> at this point, I feel like it's a, a bit. But, yeah, you're right. You know what? Yeah. Follow us th- on Instagram for
1: blessed silence.
0: <laughs> Isn't it what We all need a little bit less social media in our life. <laughs> so follow us on Instagram where you simply won't find us.
1: <laughs> our theme music is made by Snow Ghost. Thank you, Snow Ghost. Uh final thoughts on Animorphs? I hope something really messed up happens. I think the next book's gonna be a happy one.
0: You know what? Yeah, you're right. (laughs) It's just, they're gonna take acts that all-you-can-eat buffet, and it's gonna be great, and nothing bad is gonna happen, and he's not gonna rupture his stomach.
1: I predict, hold on, I predict there's gonna be a book that takes place at a school dance.
0: Oh, man. That's my prediction. Yeah.
1: Okay, okay, goodbye.